Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me as usual is the glorious League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you doing there, mate? Pretty good. Start of a new week. Our first podcast of August. Let's tear in. Yeah, I uh, thought we were going to talk about today. <laughs> well, uh, we, we, we've decided that we're going to have a look at some uh, some of the poor performing sides in the comp, and we need to discuss those elephants in the room. So, uh, by all means, mate, kick us off. Well, there's there's really three that stand out, and then you've got a couple of other ones on the on the edge of them, I guess. And I think that the the main three. The three worst teams in the NRL right now, the Titans, number one. I think they're definitely the worst team in the league right now. Um, Then you've got the New Zealand Warriors. They're absolutely just terrible, just absolutely terrible. And then you've got the Dragons, who are also absolutely terrible. And then you've got other teams that just are not very good at all. And I think the Panthers are one of them. I think the Panthers have reverted to form. Um, very, very soft and easy to beat. So, yeah, let's have a look at their their records, their coaches and all that sort of thing and, and what should happen with those clubs. Can we also throw in there the Cowboys? Yes. Yeah, definitely. The thing about the Cowboys, and I've had a lot of faith in them this year, but their last performance, I was like, yeah, they're done. Yeah. You know, they kind of were very much like Penrith. I watched Penrith's last game and I was like, nah, they're done. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll start with, we'll save those cherries, especially that Panthers one. Yeah. Uh, you're due, given that I've been pounded by the Tigers, you're due for a bit of a Panthers rant. So uh, we'll save that one for the back end. Uh, let's start <laughs> with the... Uh... <laughs> nice. <laughs> let's start with the Titans then. They've had four wins this year. They've lost their last six straight, and last weekend they got absolutely dumped on, fifty-eight to six by the uh, the Roosters, mm-hmm. um, and it's to the point now where you look at them and realise that maybe Garth Brennan wasn't to blame. Like he couldn't get the players up to play games prior, you know, while he was there, but the players are also showing that they're not capable of doing it anyway. Yeah, and it's we've said many times this year it's that it's not that they don't have talent in the side, um, but the way that they lost on the weekend to the Roosters and the Roosters really should have put on another fourteen points, sixteen points on them. Um, they were absolutely they they've given up. They've absolutely given up, and there's a lot of proven performance in the, that team that are just not putting in anymore. And normally what happens is you sack the coach and straight away there's a turnaround in the team of some capacity, and that hasn't happened. They've actually got worse. Um, I, You know, you could look at this team now and say that they need a complete clear out of players because the ones they've got there, you know, the performances they're putting in right now are absolutely pathetic. Yeah, they, they've, uh, they've, they gave up a long time ago. Mm. Um, they turned up for the game against the Broncos. That was probably the last time they actually did properly turn up for a game. The only games that have been close in since then have been against sides that were pretty much playing like crap. And that was just the game against the Warriors after that. And the rest has just been, they've not even been in the match. Yeah. And the thing is too, like 
when they were coming towards the end of Brennan being there, and you sort of wondered, are they going to get up for it? And sometimes teams do that, especially when they want to save their coach. And they kind of went the opposite way. They played really, really poorly. Yeah. And then when Brennan got sacked, the turnaround still wasn't there. And they're getting just worse and worse as, as the season goes on. And, you know, I, I just don't – I look at their lineup. They're not the worst talented team in the in the league, but they're not putting in anymore. And on the weekend, there was a point there where the Roosters were almost scoring at will. And then there was a point there where the Roosters probably were just not hooking up their attack enough to... I mean, they could have put 70 points on the Titans at one point. Yeah, um, they sort of coasted a bit through the... Uh, especially the first 10 minutes after halftime. They just, the mm. Roosters just coasted and went... Okay, let's put some more points on before the coach gets the shits with us. And so they yeah. did. But, yeah. um, the Titans have only had four games this year where they've kept the opposition team to less than 20 points. That's outrageous. That's how bad their defense is. And if you're defending like that, you are never going to be winning anything major. No. And, like, if they keep playing, if they play for the rest of the year like they did against the Roosters, you're going to start putting this team into a category of, well, is this the worst defensive side or one of the worst defensive sides in the last 20 years? Like, that's the level they're starting to get to. They're going to get there. The the thing is, the draw is kind to them. All right. So they've got the Dragons twice still to play. Oh, wow. Parramatta and Newcastle. Mm -hmm. And the Parramatta game is at Gold Coast. Yep. And... The only one there that they're going to be shitting themselves over is round 23 when they have to come down here to play the Storm. Oh, wow. <laughs> that wow, the Storm is, might put 70 on them, hey? That's, yeah, they're going to put on a cricket score there. They, they're, going to, uh, they're going to challenge Steve Smith for runs scored in, in August. <laughs> that's hilarious. They, I wouldn't be shocked if the Storm rested some plays in that game. Because they're not going to... They won't lose to the Titans. Watch them lose to the Titans. But um, that's... The Titans are finished. Like, their season's over. And it'll be interesting to see if the Storm go in thinking, look, let's just ease up, look after ourselves going into the finals. Or if they say, let's put the pedal down and see what we can really do. I actually Um, think Bellamy will use that game to make sure the, the... the uh, full-strength Storm side are absolutely in the perfect condition before he starts resting plays. Oh, you reckon? Yeah, so I think he'll probably like get there and say, that. we want to send a message to the entire competition that you will not beat us in the finals because we're going to go out there and put 60 or 70 on the Titans. doesn't matter who the opposition is, we're going to put a cricket score on. And yeah, when you've got all it. your players playing good football and they're playing good attacking football, the confidence in a club just goes through the roof. Yeah. I mean, you saw they had that. They had a loss, I think it was. Um, I don't know, many. <laughs> they had a no. loss in round eight when they had that shock defeat to the Sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, they came back the next week and put 60 on the on the Eels. Yeah. And yeah. they've and only lost one game since then, and that was a golden point game against Manly. Yeah, and, like, that... That game they played against the Sharks was a real weird one because they had every chance to win that one and they just couldn't... It was like there was a hump they couldn't get over. Um, 
So, yeah, they've been absolutely outstanding since then, even in the game against Manly. I mean, that was a, one of maybe the game of the season. So yeah. They've got a bit of a mental issue when it comes to the, uh, the Sharks in Sydney, Melbourne, ever since that grand final. They've just struggled up there against them for whatever reason. Um, it's weird when you think of things like that with the Storm, though, and like because you could say they've had a bit of a mental block against the Sharks. They've got one against the um, Sea Eagles. I feel like they used to have one against the Warriors, but they've really smashed that one, you know, well, since then. The other um, one they do have is against the Bulldogs. Really? Yeah. That's kind of strange. Yeah, no, they've, they've had a... I'm pretty sure the Bulldogs have got a record where it's they've won at least 50% of their games against the Storm. No, better than... There you go. They're the only team to have a better than 50% win record against the Storm. They've won 21 of 41 games against them. And I would say all of those teams are known for grinding out a win. Yeah. It's interesting. Really interesting. There you go. But There's at the stats. same time, with how how good the Storm are, right, you've got to wonder is, are we looking at them having teams that they perform poorly against or are we seeing them play against teams that it's just a statistical anomaly pops up? It's kind know, of that. It's a, yeah, it is it's a statistical like, anomaly. And because there's a, uh, you know, the stats or the history sort of backs a team that would normally be the underdog, that yeah. that team then puts in that extra effort to try and keep that momentum going, thinking that maybe we do have an edge over them. And mm. the mentality empowers the motivation physically on the field, I guess, to put in a good performance. Um, that's a great it, way to put it. So, yeah, that's kind of the way it is there, especially with the Sharks on there. They, they like having the wood over the Storm since, you know, they beat them for the Premiership in 2016. Um, and you also look at something like if you took away those those losses that they have, then the Storm win 100% of their games almost, and it's like, I, well, you can't have that, obviously. You know, they've got to lose to someone. So, is there any chance yeah. that uh, you can fuck off now, Paul Crawley, and bring back League Freak? <laughs> How dare you <laughs> Now on the weekend Just to sort of dig some more woes Into the Titans um, Latrell Mitchell racked up you know, 20 odd points himself there um, So over the last 7 games For Latrell Mitchell and the Gold Coast Titans Latrell Mitchell scored 6 tries 34 goals for 92 points The Titans have scored 15 tries 18 goals for 96 points That's outrageous it's, and it's not like Mitchell, like Latrell Mitchell, has been like on some ridiculous point scoring tear where everyone's saying, oh man, are you seeing how many points he's scoring? He's got 30 here and it's like he's just playing pretty solid footy, you know, he's just doing Latrell Mitchell stuff and yet he's almost scoring as many points as the Titans over the last seven games. Well, he's, that he's shows scored- how bad they are. He scored four points in one game against the Storm in that period, and he scored another four against the Cowboys. So it's not like he was racking up massive totals in there. He did have a, a few games where he scored, I think he got eight against the Bulldogs the weekend before last. Mm. Yeah, he's had three other good scores in there, but he's outscored each from each week. He's outscored the Titans nearly every week as well. I think he's only been outscored by the Titans twice out of those seven games. That's crazy. They're so bad in attack. Like, yeah. They just and don't know what they're doing, and they have been all year. And the fact that defence is so caught ordinary just mm. makes things even worse for them. 
Yeah, they're lucky Mitchell didn't score more on them on the weekend. Like there was a, he scored a couple of really soft tries, but you know, as you said, it's it's not like the Roosters put the pedal down for eighty minutes. If they had of, it could have been like seventy points easy. Yeah, so they're on track to concede on average around about six hundred and twenty points by the end of the year, mm-hmm. which is what Manly conceded last year. Um, just having looking at a few other seasons, I don't think it's. Uh, there's been a few teams that have done. The Titans did it in in 2017, along with the Knights. Those Knights sides had a few bad years there defensively. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to. It's hard 26, to. 2016, they conceded 800. Yeah, that that was after the wreckage that Wayne Bennett left behind, which is funny because I've heard people say to me on Twitter like, "Oh, it wasn't Wayne Bennett's fault." It's like. Yeah, it is. When you go into a place to build them for the future and you sign all of the old players and then you up and leave, and I understand why he left. He wasn't getting paid, and I'm the first person to say, you don't get paid, you don't turn up. But you can't sign all of those old players and then leave and not take responsibility for the fact that it's a barren wasteland after you left. Exactly right. So, yeah, the Titans. Right, so who would you... Who would you drop out of their side, I guess, is, is the main question. And who would you bring in? Um, knowing that they've got a... They do have a good forward pack. They're not disgraceful. Yeah, that's the thing. Look, I think... I would... Michael Gordon, I would let him go. Just because I need players that I can rely on to play the seat the whole season. You know, and you can say he's unlucky and stuff, but he's also a little bit injury prone at the moment. I would let him go. Um, Peachy, I would have let go earlier in the year. I would have said, look, you don't want to play for us. Just go. Just leave. Um, Ash Taylor's on so much money that I think they've got to do something about him because when you're on that much money, and I don't know what was happening with him mid-season, but I just can't I can't have my highest-paid player at the club needing time off mid-season in a really tough year. you kind of got to turn up. That's imagine, what the money's for. Imagine, too, that your highest paid player is on, what, close to a million bucks a year, mm. and he wins 35% of his games. Exactly. Yeah, at some point you've got to say, well, we're paying all this money and we're not really getting anything extra out of you that we could not get from a young bloke that's on hardly anything. Um, I'd also you know, be saying, I, look, you know what, Ash? You've earned some good coin out of us. The best thing you can do right now is go and play Super League because no one in the NRL is going to, going to sign him and he's not going to get this money ever again. Mm. And I don't see that he's any better than some of the, the Australian players that are in the Super League right now, like Robert Louis. I don't, see, yeah. I don't see how Ash Taylor can be regarded as being better than Louis. And Louis is a, a standard to okay half over there. That's where Taylor is. And we've talked about this a little bit too. It's all well and good to say potential, 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 but at some time, at some point you are who you are, you know, yeah. and if you're a halfback that wins 35% of his games and costs 900,000 bucks a year, that's kind of who just, that's who you are. Yeah. And that potential has to be cashed in at some point in time. He's 24, turning 25 in March next year. Yeah. Sorry, but potential is not something you write on at the age of 24 going on 25 anymore. 
that that no, tag stops being used at the age of 22. Exactly. You know, Tom Trevojevic came into the game with a shitload of potential, and now we're seeing it all the time, yeah. and he keeps getting better. That's the transition there. Taylor has not got any better from when he first came onto the scene. He's just the same player he was then. Yeah. The difference now is he's got a lot more fucking money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they need to, they need to just. Uh, if you're clearing the decks, you need that money. You just yep. need it. You can't be saying, "Well, we've got nine hundred thousand locked up in a halfback that wins very few games, and just every so often just needs time off." You know, you can't do that. No club can do that. Exactly. Um, I also. Look, when I look at this team, I wonder who made the decision to sign Callum Watkins because, like, what was the decision-making process there? You know, uh, you've, got the, you've got an English outside back. How, many, how often have they been any good ever, you know? And then you're bringing him to a club that isn't winning, okay? You're bringing him to a club that needs some changes, you know, and he is a change, fair enough, but... Is he the change you want? Like, who made the decision to get him? And was it Brennan? And did they let Brennan make that decision at the same time they knew he was on his way out? Or was it Mal Meninga that did it? Like, who made that decision? Because whoever it is should not be at the club anymore. I will say this. I don't think Watkins has played badly, but that's hardly a comment given how badly the Titans have played. It's easy to look decent in that side. Yeah. He's not been the reason why they've been losing the games. Nah. <clears throat> the problem we've got there is why why sign any centre? Like, if you're going to spend money on a player to come and help the team out, it's not a centre that you buy. You're buying someone in the spine and you're buying an important forward. It's not an outside back. I don't see why, you know, you, you can't tell me that you could bring any test player from around the world who plays in a back line into that side and instantly make them successful. I don't think you can put Josh Adokar or Vunavalu into that side and make them successful. So I can't yeah. see why you'd buy Watkins and think that that's going to work. Yeah, who was sitting around saying, you know what we need? We need Callum Watkins. We really do. Let's let's get him mid-season. I, I don't know why you do that. Um, it's a signing you make. I don't know if you when, made that decision. It's a signing you make when you want to sign someone and that's it. And he puts his hand yeah. up. I'll take the money. They go, okay, here you go. Look, I look at the um, Sydney Roosters when they brought in Ryan Hall, okay? Now, I thought it was a bad signing when they made it. But I can also see where the Roosters are like, look, we've got a little bit of money to spend. Let's roll the dice, see how it works. I can see that decision-making process. Now, it hasn't worked out for them. But... The Titans are not the club that were in a position to make that decision, you know. So it's it's just goes to show the way that they have put their team together for the most part is just like let's just chuck bits together and work it out later on, and it doesn't work like that. No, yeah. With the Titans halves, I'd be I'd be keen to drop Taylor. I think Jax, Brimson, and Tyron Roberts. Mm-hmm. Are solid enough three for the spine. They've got enough. They've got enough in them for the time being to make that team perform reasonably well. I think. I think for some reason, too much of the um, direction of the team's attack has fallen on Ash Taylor's heads, 
and he doesn't know how to handle it. We've seen the Titans play better when Taylor wasn't there and and Roberts was in control of the side. You know, they had two wins in three weeks there. They beat Manly in Brisbane. They almost beat the Cowboys. They were looking good, and then they almost beat the Warriors. Um, and then they started mucking around with the coach and stuff like that, which derailed the, the, the team completely, and they just fell apart after that. But bringing Taylor back, I mean, we saw it yesterday. He did this thing where he has the ball in his right hand, and he does this sort of show-and-go thing where he, you know, holds the ball out behind him. And as he did that, before bringing it back to his left hand and holding it two hands again, he just dropped it. And you went, that's just dumb. Yeah. How can and you pay like in, someone who does that so much bloody money? You can't even hold the ball in one hand. Yeah, and, like, we're about the same age, you and me. We're both 25. In all of the time you've been watching rugby league, yeah. who are the players that have the ability to do that on a regular basis that you've ever seen? Do that and drop the ball. No, no. But do that show and go where they, they put the ball back behind them, oh, yeah. but they've still got the ball. It's yeah. like Benji Marshall. Yep, Thurston. And I can't think of anyone else. Thurston. He's Thurston, yeah. He could um, do it. Yeah. Genuinely, the, the elite players. Like, the, not just the elite players, like the very, 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 very elite players. Yeah. Farah, he's another one that does a lot. It, it, like, Ash Taylor's doing this stuff, and I just, like, you were talking about the halves just then, right? And you were saying the halves have been doing a job without Ash Taylor, and it's not a great job, but at the same time, it's not 900000 bucks a year to not be there at all either. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what, I really don't know what Ash Taylor's been through. Hopefully he's all right as a person. You know, I'm not kicking him in the guts for no reason at all. I'm just saying, when you're employed to do a job for that much money, you've got to do it. Yeah. And winning 35% of the games is a good sign that you're not earning the money you've been paid. Yeah. yeah. You should be on about 35% of what you're earning as a maximum. Yeah. especially And as we've said, the, a lot of that money was potential. Yeah. And the, the potential tag's gone. It's, it's in the past. When, did, when is Ash Taylor the player that he is? And I tend to think that it, he is who he is now as a player. Yeah, because the problem he's going to find too is if, he, if he's unable to steer this side into a way of being successful, um, even, for, even if he can't even start getting a few men of the match awards for playing good footy even for the rest of the year, he is zero chance of earning the money he's on now Ever again. I mean, I'd say he's, he's pretty much a zero now. But mm. this is your last chance to try and prove that you deserve a big salary. And yeah. what he t- what he dish out against the Roosters, sure, it might have been his you know first game back in a while or whatever. But you know, that's just not good enough. You can't be you can't be making those silly mistakes. You can't be playing that poorly. It's just it's well, just that nowhere good enough. And, and yeah. the thing the thing is too, he's had that mid season break, right? How long does he need to play himself back into form? It's like he's earning nearly a million bucks this year. Yeah. What for? It's exactly right. So sorry, Ash, but uh, you got a game, mate. Yeah. Easiest way to put it. Um, I'm just going to see if there's any halves that are on the on the market. There's a few around. Um, Riley Jacks been... is currently off contract too, but at the Sharks, at the at the Titans, so they probably should try and. Hook him up. 
you know, I guess Holbrook's going to come in, and hopefully Holbrook's Holbrook is um he's controlling their recruitment now because he needs to. He he needs to be the boss. And I wrote an article on the weekend saying that he can't have Malmeninga looking over his shoulder. Like if he wants to be the the actual coach of the club, Meninga needs to go, um, and he needs to kind of go now. It, yeah. Like Holbrook needs to get the team that he wants and he needs to be able to make those changes going forward. And, you know, he can't have another voice. He can't have another person in his ear saying, oh, you know what I think? It's like, I don't care what you think, Mal. I'm the boss here. Go away. You know, because the the real hard fact of the matter is that Mal Meninga was brought in to do a whole club review of the Titans at the start of the year. And... They're worse. They're in the worse position now than they were when Mal Meninga turned up. And how much of that do you put on Meninga and his review and all of the recommendations he's made? I mean, shouldn't have Meninga been the first one to say, "Look, I know that somebody here wants Callum Watkins to come in, but no, I'm not letting that happen. Not on my watch." Well, exactly right. Um, yeah, I don't know. They've... As I said, I don't think they've got a, a horrible roster. I think it's workable, no. but they all those players need a massive boot up the date. They really do. They really, really do. They've got some really good players, some players that have done some really good things over their career and players that have done some really good things at the Titans. Yeah. And that, but to put in these performances they're putting in is a disgrace. And that it, there's no external motivation, even from a coach, that is going to come in and fix that. It's got to come down to the players wanting to, to have careers beyond what happens here at the Titans. Because right now there's a lot of guys that are playing themselves out of first-grade careers. Exactly right. Um, someone else is you know, playing himself out of a career too is uh, possibly Dragons coach Paul McGregor, who mm. arguably would have, I would suggest, a top six squad and they're in the bottom four of the ladder. And I I can't say that the players are putting in the effort because a lot of the games they've lost have been close losses. I think yeah. their problem is entirely to do with game plans. Yeah, it's, you know, another team. I mean, they've got so much more talent than the Titans. And they've so, got elite talent. Like, they've got some of the best players in the world in their team. And yeah. they've got... Like guys, someone like Hunt, and you, there are people that don't rate Hunt. There are others that do. At the very least, you can say he tries his ass off in every game. You know, he might not make the best decisions sometimes when the pressure's on, but he tries in every single game. And, you know, they got Widdop back now, and they, they're just terrible. Yeah, I think the best way to put it is if you had to choose between spending a million dollars on Hunt or a million dollars on Ash Taylor... Hunt. Hunt. Every day of the week. Every day of the week. Um, Um, I I don't know what they do to change outside of changing their coach. And we were reading articles on the weekend saying that um, they were going to let go Ben Hornby and Dean Young from their their coaching, um, their group of coaches. And it's like, I couldn't believe they were there at the club. But at the same time, I can't believe that they're the part of the problem. Like, I think the problem needs to start with McGregor. And yeah. you need to get someone in there who's going to shit them up. Somebody who's got a, got a clue 
on how attacking structures work. And um, Dragons fans, because we've been talking about this and a lot of the mainstream media isn't, Dragons fans have been messaging you and me for the last few weeks saying, keep talking about it, keep talking about it. And they, one of the things that they've said is they're sick of the club trying to find a coach internally. They need yes. to look at everyone, not just former players. The, the Tigers had this for a long time too, and it's this whole concept of uh, if we get someone who's from within the club, they'll be loyal and hang around and we don't have to worry about paying out their contract. And no, it, you shouldn't be thinking about avoiding contracts being paid. You should be thinking about winning games of football. They've exactly. got the squad. Just go out there and win now. It's, it's All they need is proper coaching, and McGregor doesn't offer that. He never I'd has. Say, say you put in, like, for next year, right? We'll start it next year because we're so close to the end of this season. Mm-hmm. Say you put in Griffin or Tuvi. Like, you look at that dragon side and you're like, they have to be a top six at the very least. They're probably a top four side. Yeah, there's no reason why they shouldn't be. I mean, they've got... They've got a great prop rotation. Oh, that's um, amazing. Brilliant back rowers. You can't you can't criticize the halves at all. No. Um the three quarter line's a bit iffy. Yeah. But I mean, when you've got a forward pack that good, you don't need superstars in the back line. So That's true. And they like they've got the youngster on the wing, Saab. He looks like a pretty handy player. Yeah. Um Ravalawa as a winger is fantastic. You know, Aitken is a bit of an issue. I think that he he showed a lot of promise, but he has not played well this year. But it's like you can fix those problems. You can bring in youngsters and sort those problems out. They they literally are the you know the peripheral issues that a great team would love to have, and everything else is set except they're not winning games, and that comes down. I think that. That comes down to the coach, definitely, especially when you've got a coach that's been there for so long and the results haven't been there. Like, how much longer do the club need to give him before they say, oh, yeah, maybe he's not a good coach? Um, they've given him far too long already. Yep. Um, I don't know who they get in, but they need to get someone who's got nothing to do with the club at the moment in there because obviously hiring within is not working they need to go. I mean, look at look at the time that they did look elsewhere for a coach. They won a friggin' premiership. Yeah, and they go back it's to hiring from weird. within, and they haven't been haven't been in the hunt since. And I don't understand the the hiring within thing too. Sometimes you hear like, "Oh, well, they know our culture. They know our culture." If your culture is underperforming, you need to go away from that culture. Exactly, the culture you know, is not working. Yeah, yeah, and there's two very good coaches out there. Ready to go. Like, I don't know why a club wouldn't pull the trigger. And, look, a lot of it's going to be they're going to have to pay out um, McGregor's contract, and that's because they made a terrible decision to re-sign him. And whoever made that decision should be sacked. Agreed. Agreed. And they need an experienced coach. Yeah. It doesn't matter. who. They they need need... an experienced coach in there. They can't go picking some other bloody Johnny-come-lately who used to play for the Dragons in there. Don't ruin their play, their players' reputations, and make turn them into shit coaches. Because that's that's the image that people have of them when they leave. Is that in twenty years' time, when people ask about Paul McGregor, fans aren't going to talk about how he's a great centre for the Dragons. They're going to talk about how he's a shit coach. Exactly, and that's sad when that happens. Yep. You know, it takes a long time to for a former player to. 
push through those sorts of terrible coaching um, careers with the club that they were great players with. And I don't like to see that. And I, I, I'm always kind of surprised that so many teams do that. So many teams fall into that um, that mistake. And I understand why the coaches do it because coaches want a coaching job. They want to turn around their former club. But, yeah, it's it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And, I mean, how many times has it ever worked? I think it's fair to say you go few and far between when you see a, a former great player turn into a, a great coach at, at all. Yeah. It usually goes the other way around. Like the the not-so-great players become great coaches and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, how excited are you? How pumped are you for this weekend's Dragons game against the Titans? Oh, it's going to be... Uh... Can they both score no points? Can they like it's like? Can this just turn into a black hole and suck in all of humanity? Surely they can both. <laughs> That's the first game next sat on on, on Saturday. Ah, uh, maybe we should Tem- do a live. I was thinking, attempting to do a live show for that one. Yeah, yeah, we could just uh, watch that game and just abuse them the whole time, or just yawn for a night for a hundred minutes. <laughs> <sighs> that would work too. Um, moving on to the Warriors, they've mm-hmm. now lost six straight games at Mount Start Stadium for just the second time in the club's history, and the first time they've ever done that in a season. Yeah, and they are just getting worse and worse. I there have been some frustrating teams to watch over the years, especially Warriors teams. This might be the very worst. Um, I watch Roger Chulvasa Shek. And cannot believe how good he is. Cannot believe how well he performs every single week in this terrible Warriors team. And I worry that he's going to get to the end of the year and he's going to say, listen, I wanted to be here. I'm on big money, but I can't waste one of I can't waste one of the best talents in the game on this Warriors team anymore. I've got to go somewhere where I can win premierships and stuff because he is a top three player in the world. I would make a really good case for him being the second best player in the world right now. And he is just being let down by a terrible club, a terrible team, terrible decisions, a terrible coach and a club that makes the most stupid, ridiculous decisions over and over again. Would you think to jump, if he was to jump out of the pen and into the fire, would you think that he going to the Titans would be a good move? If the Titans decide to get rid of Taylor and bring in RTS to play fullback over there, do you think that would help the Titans? And do you think that would help RTS? Or do you think that it would be just more of the same? I think he'd be probably. Oh, look, man, that, that that Gold Coast team isn't the worst team in terms of talent. Right. That's but what I'm saying. Like you, they've got a great forward pack. It really is. And with a new coach there, we don't know much about him. Is it a risk worth taking? Because, I mean, he knows what he's going to get. If Kearney hangs around again next year, it's going to be more of this. Yeah. Do you take you know the, the punt t- on a Gold Coast move? You know the team that he would – it would be scary, really, really scary. If he went to the Cowboys and you've yeah. got him and Jason Tomalolo, yeah. that would be just and look, they're both million dollar. Like I don't know how much 
um, RTS is on, but he's got to be on a pl- bloody good amount of money. Um, $2 million players in the same team, that's a lot. They've got um, drink water there. But, geez, if you put RTS in that team, like, what do you do? As an opposition team, what do you do? Yeah, you're, you're, you're putting six players on, on RTS and seven on Tomalolo. <laughs> yeah, and Tomalolo's all of a sudden running for 300 metres a game. Yeah, um, it's crazy. I don't know about the Titans. I, I feel as though I, I watch the way RTS plays, and he just deserves to be in a, just a good team. And this, this Warriors team is not, not good at all. And again, this this is largely down to bad bad coaching, and if more than anything, um, bad selection ideas as well. Mm. Uh, he's got a lot of good players at his disposal, especially youngsters coming through. And Kearney's just been woeful with bringing juniors through. He he brings them through so slow, and gives them doesn't give them enough of an opportunity. He just the trickle is too slow and too too small. Uh, so by the time that he actually does need them, then they're 22 years old. They've played like four games over four years. They're still not ready. Well, I look at someone like Harris Tavita, right? Every single time I see him play, he's trying to make something happen. Yeah. And he's still learning the game as a halfback, right? But they've they brought in Nick Arima on big money when they had Harris Tavita there playing first grade and playing pretty bloody well. They've got Green, who's done. I think Green's done in the halves. And they're bringing Harris Tavita off the bench. It's like, yeah. what is that? Why you've got a halfback on the bench? It's it's ridiculous. And furthermore, yeah, they, they gave him, what, four or five games at the start of the year, and then he was he just disappeared for eight or nine weeks, and mm. then bring him back again. And I, I, I don't get that either. In- I called one of his games in um, reserve grade, and he was fantastic. He was one of the best players on the field. And he comes into first grade, and it doesn't matter how badly they're playing, he's out there trying to make stuff happen. Mm. And they and yet he can't crack it for a start. And it's like I think the vast majority of teams in the league, if they had a talent like him in the halves, they'd just chuck him out there and say, you play halfback, you learn the game. And the Warriors would are desperate for someone like him, and yet they're stuffing around with his career. It's yeah, like, what are you doing? Guaranteed they'll let him go. Yeah. They did and, it with Nickel, it they did it with Nickel Clockstad. They did it with Lino. They'll, they'll do it with him as well. Horrible imagine, horrible at capturing um, juniors and, and knowing which ones to hang on to and which ones to let go. They really are. And, you, like, you know where he'd be great would be at Canberra. Well, they've just on the snoz, so that rules that out. Yeah, that's true. Where else would he be good at? Um, I'd love to have him at Penrith, but we've got good young halves coming through to replace I wouldn't him. mind him at the Tigers, to be honest, when Benji retires. Yeah, yeah, that'd be he'd be really good, actually. Bit of a that's a great there. idea. So, yeah, it's... Right. Uh, Brisbane yeah, could use him. That's true. I don't think there's much... Hugely wrong with the roster they've got. I just would like to see more of their juniors coming through and getting more time. As I said, mm. I've talked up Hayes Perrin before. I've only seen a few a few um, matches of his, but he just looks every part of a first grade footballer and needs to be in the side. And they've mm. given him two games off the bench this year. It's just not good enough. No, no, and it's like you know, I I have 
this is the same club that signed Sam Tompkins or Tompkins on the biggest the biggest transfer fee in the history of rugby league. Yeah. They make so many stupid decisions over and over and over again. Like, when does this end? Warriors fans must be so frustrated because it just keeps happening again and again where they make stupid personnel decisions. And the coach, like, look at the coaching decisions they've made. Brian McClellan. (laughs) Like, what the hell? And then they bring in Kearney. And they're sticking with him. And it's like, why? He's proven himself. Well, speaking of one of the other coaches, mm-hmm. Ivan Cleary. Yeah. Um, I was looking around at some stats the other day, uh, actually this morning it was, about the West Tigers and their try-scoring prowess. Mm-hmm. And this year they've already scored more tries than what they scored last in the whole of last season under Cleary. And it made me wonder if Cleary is just a coach who does not know how to make a team's attack better. And... You look at the Panthers this year, a side that would that could score at will last year. Like if mm-hmm. they were down you needed three tries in the last ten minutes, they'd do it. They just go, right, let's go get those tries down and bang, win the game. This mm-hmm. year, they look like they are struggling to get three tries in a game against anyone. Yeah. Uh, what's going on? That's a really good question. I I don't have it. First of all, let me say I don't have any problems with anything Nathan Cleary is doing. I think he's doing a good job. I I tend to blame their forwards. I think the Panthers, and I've said this before, I said it earlier in the year, their forwards are so soft. Um, they have one of the, if not the softest forward pack in the league. Um, I think that's part of the problem. But we were talking about this earlier on. The Panthers this year tend to be going side to side before going forward. And I think that's where, when you've got Kikau out of the side, who Kikau just is a monster who can't help but go forward. Um, when he's out of the side, they've got very little go forward. And you were saying before how Cleary likes to have back rowers out in the back line and, and trying to get opposition teams to worry about them. And it just doesn't work, you know, and it, because they're not going forward. Yeah, it's it's this really thing because I, I I'm fairly certain the same thing was happening last year at the Tigers. He was trying to play on the edge of the ruck the whole time, but mm. wasn't earning the right to get to you know to be out there and playing football out there because he hadn't made the meters up the middle. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's they they need to do something with the systems they got there in attack. They needed a genuine attack coach because Cleary looks incapable of understanding how. An attack should function. The defence side, I'll give him credit for, okay, especially at the Tigers there, he had their defence working like a charm at the start of the season. Uh, their problem was they fell away a bit at the end of the season because you know, it was a fairly new sort of squad. They were still working out together, but when they worked well, they were they were one of the best defensive teams in the comp. Mm. Um, and the Panthers have that ability as well. But every now and then you'll just get a game from them where Bang, they just let a team drop 30 on them. And yeah, and look, the, the mistakes the mistakes that they make are still there, and that's a big part of the problem. And I think yeah. the winning run glossed over some of those mistakes they were making. 
Um, and look, you, we've got the state of origin halves. Like you can't blame them, and they're they're linking up, they're going across the field. They, I don't know what more you can really ask of those two, but you know, up front, there's just like who's worrying about playing the Panthers? And that's the thing is that you look at the wins they've had, and they've only had two, two wins against two probably of the worst performing sides at the moment, where they won by more than a you know. 10 points. That was the mm. Dragons and the Titans in successive weeks. You know, they beat Newcastle by two, the Tigers by one in Golden Point, um, Parramatta by six, Manly by three, the Roosters by nine, which Amelia was a good game, uh, the Roost, uh, South by one, the Warriors by one. Even the games they've been winning, they've only just been winning them. Mm. And there's it, been a lot of games there where you could probably say the opponent just didn't play all that great or, or, you know, and a lot of it comes down to the Panthers didn't let them. But at the same time, it's not like you can say too many of those wins they had over those opponents. The opponent was, you know, on fire and it was a classic match or anything like that. So, uh, you know, they're in, I I think they're going to miss the finals. I think that they, they had that winning streak and they're now kind of being found out a little bit now that teams are back on it after the origin period. Um, and I'm starting to look towards next year now, and I see a lot of these forwards that I think they need to move them on. It seems like they're trying to move some guys on, and they're lucky that they've got so much talent in their juniors that you know they, there's so many youngsters that they can bring through, and that lets them move players on. But... Yeah, this year has been a really bad one for the Panthers, especially when you consider what they did last year and that they decided to change their coach because top four wasn't wasn't enough for them. And now it looks like they're going to miss the finals. Yeah, and they've got a tricky run home too. Like They've got the Sharks this weekend mm. and then back-to-back games in Queensland against Brisbane and the Cowboys. And while they're not travelling great themselves... Playing games in Queensland is never an easy thing to do. Then they've got the Roosters. Yeah, then they've got the Roosters at the SCG, and then they've got um, the Knights at home. So yeah, I mean, look, if they they can win their way into the finals, there's yeah. no doubt about that. I don't expect them to. It's a tricky run. I think the Cowboys and the the Knights game should be wins for them. Yeah. Um, Cronulla, Brisbane, and the Roosters though. Um, they're a bit harder to pick. I'm not saying they'd lose them. I'm just saying they're a bit harder to pick. I don't know. Depends on how those sides turn up. You know, Cronulla's been a bit hit and miss this year because new coach bringing in a fair few juniors, so they're playing a little bit differently. Um, so they might turn up and do what they did to South, so they might turn up and do what they did a few weeks before that against Melbourne. You just don't know with them. Brisbane's fairly similar, and the Roosters, well, they look like they're back on form, and I don't know if Panthers could stop them. Yeah, and like when I think about, say, this weekend against the Sharks, if Kikau doesn't play, where do their points come from? That's going to be their problem. Um, The other thing is, is their defence going to be good enough to keep out the Sharks' edge edge players, the uh, Bronson Cherries, Josh Morris, Wade Graham? Mm. Yeah, that's that's a stunning edge attack over there. It really is. It's um, 
I don't know how any team shuts that 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 trio down over there. Well, look, if they can bring it together at the Sharks, if they can bring it together and get into the the final series, and we've we've both said this, like you don't want to be playing the Sharks in the finals. You just don't, because yeah, just, if they hook up a good month, they can win the premiership without doubt. Especially if um, Sean Johnson continues improving at the rate he is. He's not playing great football thing- yet, but he's he's better now and in the last three weeks than he had been for the rest of the season. He's finally starting to click. I think the thing for him is Townsend needs to be the playmaker. He needs to have the kicking duties. He needs to be the one that's guiding them around the field. He needs to be their their number one guy. And Sean Johnson needs to have none of that put on his shoulders. And if they do that, that's the way it works best. Because yeah. Johnson's a, a ball runner. He's not an organiser. I think that's been proven time and yeah. time again. And uh-huh. when he just has to worry about playing what's in front of him, he's fantastic. And I think we saw that a little bit on the weekend. No, I certainly did. And it's um, it's good to see. And plus, I think it's worth noting too that last weekend, I believe, is the first time the Sharks have been at their full strength this year. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, they, they, you're right. The only thing that worries me is... Uh, I think Matt Moylan is, yeah. If he's not in the side, I feel like they're better. That's the that's the elephant in the room. Um, mm. I don't think anyone can argue that Josh Dugan has been in brilliant form the last two weeks, and he's been a large reason why the Sharks have won their last two games. And it's been because he was playing at fullback. He's looked so yeah, committed the- and so much better. He's been running harder, running faster, putting in more effort. He's just looked so much more committed those last two weeks. And Moylan came along and just uh, fizzer. He's an absolute fizzer. Yeah, and he makes too many mistakes. You know, he does too many things where you're like, what the hell is he thinking? You know, what's he doing? And, you know, you can't have that as a finals team. And the thing about Dugan, and I'm not Dugan's biggest fan, I think he's almost done, but he's not going to stuff it up for you. No. And that's the thing. The other thing he's not going to do either is um, take it easy. Mm. As we've discussed, part of the reason why he gets injured so much is because every time he has some sort of mistake or something like that, he feels in his own mind that he needs to come out and play 10% even tougher and harder and faster than he was before, which inevitably leads to harder collisions and eventually an injury somewhere. Mm. That's been his problem. And the last two weeks he's been playing good football, but also playing hard as well. So he's been in the best form he's been in for several years. Uh, so I'd have been pers- persisting with him at fullback, and I don't know what you do with Moylan. He's the third wheel now. I'd Seriously, I'd be ringing up the Gold Coast and saying, oh, imagine having Manny Moylan in your side. Ooh, that's or what I'd be up, doing. Or ringing up Penrith saying, do you need a fullback? No. How dare you? Hasn't that rumour already started? It has, and I refuse to confront the rumour, because as I said on the weekend when we called that live game, if that move happens, I am going to go off my head. If that move happens, it's going to it's going to lead into us doing an episode about Matthew Elliott, because it's going to venture into that territory of a Matthew Elliott type decision. Mm. This guy that, that, no, I'm not even going to start. I'm not even going to start on him. Well, we're going to oh. have a we're going to have an episode about him sooner or later. We need to. 
you, you need a public purge. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> you know, the time to do it will be if the, if the Panthers are, could make the finals and then they just put up a duck egg against a bad team and then they sign Moylan for next year. And then you that's when you break out the let's do an Elliot like episode and just watch me have just a verbal breakdown. Yeah. That's gonna be a two hour episode. That is. And I'll I'll just do the introduction. Yeah, and just walk away. Just walk away from the computer, go and get some stuff done around the house and that yeah. come back. And I'll still be I'll just, going like you know. I'll just be in the background occasionally giggling. Yeah, just to, just to keep the mood the mood right. <laughs> <laughs> Walk back in two hours later, and then I'll be like, "And then Matt Adamson called out Reese Worser." Ah, oh. okay, yeah. right. Well, that's the cue to keep going for another hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I can't even. Can't even. Um, now you asked a, a question on uh, on Twitter today, didn't you? Mm, yeah. I asked, asked people, people to, to, to reply with some yeah. questions. I, asked I, found, them if... I, I found the questions, so I figure I'm going to ask you. How's that sound? Okay, go for it. I'm ready. My body is ready. Okay. Nadine Chilver says, The ridiculousness of Moylan being able to stay on the field, the absolute ineptness of the Titans, which we've just discussed, and why doesn't the NRL take control of the game's narrative from the mainstream media? So let's start with Moylan being able to stay on the field after he copped a head knock where he went limp in a tackle from Sam Burgess and looked like he'd been KO'd for certain. Yeah, and you and me were watching this game together. We did yep. it during our live broadcast on the weekend. And as soon as it happened, you knew something had happened in the tackle because mid-tackle, he was out. He was yeah. just out. And they've come out since and said that there was a, a technology failure on the sideline, which didn't <laughs> let the officials know that he'd been knocked out cold. It's like the bloke mm. was looped like a thirty-day-old lettuce leaf. Take him yeah. off the field. Who cares about the technology? Yeah, like how about those things that are in the front of your face? There's two of them. Use them. There's and the it's like the technology uh, that worked in 1908. It still works today. Yeah, like he was lying on the ground, limp. They gave a penalty. Yeah, he was gone. Yeah, he, he, and he was, and we were talking about it at that time, saying, "Oh, well, this is Moylan's night done. Uh, they'll take him off the field. Why is he still playing? Why is he playing? What, what's going on?" And we didn't have technology on the sideline. We just used our eyeballs because you could see he'd been knocked unconscious. And to blame technology on the sidelines not working is just the biggest cop out ever. It's kind of like that. that we could have actually just blamed Donald Trump for that. Would yeah, have made much sense. Yeah, just what's it called? Trump derangement syndrome. It was just like that. It's like, yeah. oh, uh, the technology. It's like, no. And they said that on the field, he was, uh, they did a test on the field and he, he'd hit all of the markers for not needing to come off the field. Don't it's care. like, I'm sorry. The guy yeah. went limp. Don't care. He was knocked out. Take him off. Don't bring him back. That should be yeah. the rule. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. And I don't care so, what the test is. We've, we've discussed this with Dr. Alan Pierce. doesn't matter what the test says and how good they are. You, you don't know if they're back to baseline, you know, 35 seconds after they've been knocked out and they've just, just come to again. How can you yeah. know? You can't just ask Oops, them to recite the alphabet backwards and go, oh, yeah, he's good enough, let's keep going. It's not 1962 anymore. 
And look, I always go back to the doctors know best, right? Because we're not doctors. But I watch from the sideline and I see a player go completely limp during a tackle where they're hit in the head. Like, you just take them off the field. I don't know. Like, what was everyone watching? Were they all looking at different things? They were looking at the technology. Yeah, they were, they, were trying, they were banging the side of the TV going, it's not working still. Like, how about you just watch the game? Exactly. Um, that was just dumb. Yeah. Couldn't believe it, I saw it. He then went off about, I think, five or ten minutes later. And I thought, mm. oh, well, maybe they realised they better take him off now. Daddy? But then he came back on anyway, afterwards in Daddy? the second half. Daddy? Hello, well. Wear this one. I wanted to wear the butterfly dress. I want to wear that one today. I said I want to wear it just tomorrow. At, uh, you can wear the butterfly dress tomorrow. Nah. Yeah, we're going to the library tomorrow. You can wear it then. No, I don't want to wear it at the library. Okay, well, you go get the butterfly dress and you put it on then. Okay. Problem solved. Yeah, it's interesting, that she, it's interesting she brings that up because I'm wearing my butterfly dress today. Well, I think it was the fact that I was wearing mine too that she sort of felt that she needed to dress like that. Nice. That's our podcasting attire for both of us. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you just want to feel pretty. Yeah. Yeah, I feel special when I'm, when I'm wearing my butterfly dress. Mm, so do I. Um, someone who's not pretty, uh, Phil Rothfield. Matty mm. Adard asks, Rothfield's attempts to get his mates back on the board of the Bulldogs by trashing the current board with a bunch of rubbish rumours, bullshit rumours, sorry. Always fun to rag on rosy cheeks. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I've, I've not been yeah. paying attention to what Rothfield says, so I can't comment. <laughs> yeah, i got to say I'm the same. I, I don't know what's been going on. I always find it weird when football club boards, th- there's certain clubs where the football club boards, you never hear from them at all, ever. And then there's other ones where it's just like always played out in the media and it's like, the Bulldogs is one of them. The Parramatta Eels is one of them. The, the, to a certain extent, the Tigers have been in yeah. recent years. I would say that and the ones that have played out in the media are the ones who are performing badly. Yeah, it's funny that, eh? Hey? Yeah, you never read the Melbourne Storm board. Works. No, never, ever, ever. Um, so, yeah, it's. Uh, I, but I don't know anything about it, um, unfortunately. But I, it's weird. There's a lot of... There's a lot of sound and noise around the Bulldogs about their coaching and their board and stuff, and it's like, how about we just stay the course and, and let the team get through a really, really terrible period in the club's history? Um, and then if they're still bad in, like, three years' time, then start looking at these things. But for now, they just need to – they're getting better. That's been proven. And they'll get somewhere. Just let them do their jobs for now. Yeah, I think the Bulldogs are currently working towards – uh, long-term success, not not short-term patch-up success. And that's mm-hmm. the right thing to be doing. So I'd, I'd be able to just let them stay course and, you know, give it another few years before they start determining whether the, the board's okay or not. Yeah, 100%. Um, Captain Kicker says, uh, here's what I've noticed. While we're rebuilding, quote-unquote, the dogs have become the NRL's schlep rock. Everyone who loses to them, is instantly consigned to the they can't win the comp basket. Yeah, that's funny, eh? That was a good tweet. I like that one. Um, yeah, there is. It's like I, I know I watched on the weekend and I was like, Panthers are done. 
Um, look, it's a good place to be because you'd rather be one of those teams than be the opposite side of it. And it's like, ooh, they might have played this team into form to win the premiership, you know. you'd rather. So you'd rather be that team. But it's a funny, funny season the Dogs have had because at the start of the year they looked terrible. And now they're looking not too bad. And, like, there's no one's playing an easy game against the Bulldogs. It's been that way for a good couple of months now. Yeah. Look, it's worth noting, too, that their worst losing run was four games. Mm. So they lost the first two. Then they had a win against the Tigers. They then lost three, had a win against the Cowboys, lost two, beat the Titans, lost four. Then they had back-to-back wins against Cronulla and the Knights. Then they lost two, and then they beat Penrith. It's not like they've been dreary constantly like the the titans and the dragons have been of late they've mm. been they've been in there and putting in and getting that occasional win here and there sure it's not enough for the fans it's not going to make them happy but they're putting in which is more you can say for the than the titans at the moment who just they've just given up exactly um, so. The other thing is, too, that about the Bulldogs that has jumped out, me, out at me a little bit. They played that game on the weekend at Parramatta Stadium, and the crowd was very poor. And, you know, <laughs> it, that worries me a little bit. Like, where are the Bulldogs fans? What happened to them? I know it's been a tough few years, but this is a team that is worth going to watch. And as you say, they put in. They don't give up. And they're not the they're the least talented team in the league. Easy. Um, where are the Bulldogs fans? That should yeah. have been a good fifteen to twenty thousand on the weekend. I've I've long said this, and I'll stick by it. Um, Knights fans put everyone else to shame because mm. they came out in droves to support their team every week for three years when they went through that horrible rebuilding phase and they picked up wooden spoons and got pounded every week. They still turned up in their you know. 10, 12, 14,000 crowd numbers. They still had massive crowds there. Yeah. But Sydney and, and clubs, the, if they have a poor run, the fans just abandon them and give up. Oh, we'll come back when they start winning again. It's pathetic. It really is. And there's like, I mean, of the Sydney teams where their fans don't completely abandon them when they're losing, I think, I mean, who could you say it? I think that the Dragons can still draw an okay crowd. Um, I don't know about the Panthers, you know. Well, the, Dragons, the Panthers don't end up with 4,000 at a game, that's for sure. The Dragons' last four home crowds have all been under 10,000. And that's understandable with how terrible they're playing. They actually, they also had, there was one game where they the fans found it hard to get to the stadium because yes. there was an accident down going towards Wollongong. Yeah, that, and, that was against the Storm, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. yeah they only they, had 5,500 turned up for that one. But they had 7,000 for their game at the same venue against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. It's only 1,500 more than the one that was, in fact, you know, impacted by traffic. Um, yeah. They had 9,000 against Canberra the week after, and they Not had 9,500 9, last, week uh, last weekend at Cogra. At Cogra, yeah. And, like, for a, for a bad crowd, that's not bad, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because there's been teams like, I mean, the Rabbitohs, they've had some crowds when they've been going bad that were, like, 4,000 at most. The Roosters can get 4,000 now. Like, um, I'm trying to think. I know the Panthers have had 6,000s when they've been going poorly. 
Um, the West Tigers can can get down to about 5,000 when they're going poorly. Manly, I guess, are the same. So, like, when you're going poorly and you're getting 9,000, that's pretty good. Yeah, but, you know, when the Knights were going poorly and still getting 14,000. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's a completely different beast up there, right? Eh? I guess what I'm saying is on the weekend, I felt as though at that, that new stadium, it was a... Yeah, keep going. At, the, at that new stadium, I felt like it was a chance for Bulldogs fans to go out, support their team, check out the new stadium, try and, you know, see how it fits, see if they like it there, you know, see if they want to make that a permanent base. And I was just a bit disappointed with the crowd, especially against a, another Western Sydney team. And look, Panthers fans don't really travel. I'm, I'm, I'll put my hand up for that. But so I was a little bit. But how far is that journey, though? Come on. <laughs> Look, I, I've said this before that uh, that that trip from Penrith to Parramatta, you know, there's the media will say, "Oh, it's Western Sydney," but it's a that's a bloody long way. A bloody long way. Okay. Um, so you're talking to someone from the country here. How far is that long way? Listen, okay. There's a lot of <laughs> things, all right. Yeah. There's traffic lights, there's there's roadworks, right. uh, you know, so come about, on now. So let, let's put it in, okay, so from where I, where I grew up, okay, it was about 70 k's to the nearest hospital. So put that in comparison with how far it is from Penrith to Parramatta Stadium. What are we talking, 150, 200 k's? It feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, I uh, when I, I met... Uh, one of my followers that that's from Hull, uh, Adam, a few weeks ago, and he travelled out to Penrith, uh, took him to Panthers Leagues Club, and he got to I think it was Parramatta, and then he had to do the the distance from Parramatta just on the train, you know, to Penrith. And at one point, he sent me a message saying, "Holy hell, this is a long, long way. I didn't realise how far Parramatta was from Penrith." And I was like, "Yeah, it's a it's a, a fair travel, but yeah." <laughs> It's just just eyeballing it. It's got to be 300 k's from Parramatta Stadium to Penrith Stadium. Oh. <laughs> um, Adrian F said, "How is Mary still coach of the Dragons? Fans have had enough. Banners at the game. More to come from us fans." Well, you know, we did a whole episode about how he was should be sacked, and yeah, also what we discussed it pretty well today as well. Yeah, what episode was that? That was about 40-something, 43, 40. Number 112 or something. <laughs> it's, it's there. It's not too far back, but, yeah, we discussed it. It's going to be interesting to see what banners they come up with. The Dragons are pretty good at coming up with some banners. So, uh, you know, can you think of any uh, any rhyming slang or anything for, you know, Sack and Mary McGregor? Um. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Oh, what, what's do, you remember that, do you remember that advert? And I can't remember what it was for, but it was like, you cannot get better than Mrs. McGregor's. Oh, yes. Yeah. What if they do a banner and it's like, we can get so much better if you sack McGregor? <laughs> don't they have one so, as well for Mrs. Max Pies? I don't it's remember like, that. If, if it's not a Mrs. Max, take it back. I don't remember that one. That must have been a country no, one. No, I think that's a that's a current one that's out there. So you come oh, out, you so... could say, um, um, if it's a poor Mac, take it back. 
something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm up for that. And you could just be a, a pie that's got sh- shit inside it as your picture. <laughs> yeah, a shit pie. Super graphic with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah the fans are sick of eating shit pie. Every exactly. Single week. That yeah, would they'd be They'd rather good. just yeah. an empty plate than what they're getting served up by McGregor at the moment. Definitely. Okay, we've got any other questions? It was episode 49, by the way. I just had a check. Oh, there you go. 49, wow. See, that's how quick we move through through these episodes. We move on. Now, there was one more. I left it till the end because it's a, it's a very important one. Not, yep. really, not Probably not so much the question, but just who said it. So the starting block asked, oh. the return of Steve Smith and Matt Wade to the Australian lineup, saving our ass in the first test. The triumph. You know, triumph. oh, you are all scared of Edgbeston. It's like, what? Since when? And then Smith, he just goes out there. He's not worried about ball tampering or anything this time around. He's just he's just hitting the ball just time and time again. Can't get him out. He's just hitting the ball. He's racking up the runs. Then the first batsman to come along um, since Bradman to make the Poms look hopeless. Yeah. Well, well since, you know, we, we've had heaps of batsmen do that, actually. Oh, not 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 as much as he has. So, not as uh, much. Yeah. But those rugby league fans who haven't been watching the cricket, um, first test started. Uh, what was it last Thursday, last Friday? Steve, like Australia batted first. They're all out for two hundred eighty-four in the first innings. But Steve Smith scored one hundred and forty-four of those runs, over fifty percent. England. Yeah, he's all right, eh? He goes good. England then scored three seventy-four to take a uh, what ninety-run lead. Sorry, yeah, ninety-run lead. Australia then blitzed that, thanks to Steve Smith scoring another 142 runs. Um, and backup wicketkeeper Matt Wade, with his being recorded as a side, scored 110 mm. to rescue that innings. Because uh, when, when uh, Steve Smith came to the crease, Australia were three for 75. And then when Travis Head got out for 40, they were four for 205. And when Steve Smith got out for 142, they were five for 331. They ended up getting uh, seven for 487 declared. England now have to score practically 400 runs in basically a is it a day or is there another? Is there two days to go? I, I feel remember. like it's a day. I think it's the last day of the test, eh? Hey? Yeah, today's the last day tonight. So um, they're not fucking rain. No, we don't want rain. So England needs to score three three ninety eight. They've already got thirteen knocked off there, so they're three hundred eighty five away from a win, and they need to do that today. Um, and or Australia needs to take ten wickets to get the win. I love so, the thought that that just weeks after they they drew another big game and decided to celebrate because that's what the Poms do. Um, that also, just also amended the rules to make sure that they won. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no evidence to just, prove that, but we're going with that anyway. We turn up and we just smash them first test and, like, n- stop celebrating. We're back. Yeah, yeah we're back. And, uh, God, imagine what the second test is going to be like now. The uh, the Aussies have got their eye in. Yeah. Just, well, we, they might as well give us the ashes now, eh? Yeah, move it on. Yeah. Save us a bit of time. Save them Save them the embarrassment. Let them continue celebrating the, the World Cup they almost won. Yeah, the United States of England. Yes. Everyone would be normal then. So um, that also leads quickly to uh, the starting block. 
Uh, make sure you tune into them every Wednesday, every Wednesday night. Uh, check them out on Twitter when they have their their episodes on. They're now live on Periscope every week. Uh, mm. Fantastic podcast. They're brilliant. I I listen in. I actually jump in at well, it's not me that jumps in and and uh, messages during the show. It's you. I always see like. You know, it comes up, it says, oh, by the way, this is Andrew. And I think, man, he's saying some outrageous things in this chat. It's incredible. Yeah, I've been told I do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, jump on. And it's on Wednesdays. So, yeah, it's always entertaining to listen to the boys. Um, what else have we got that we can uh, pump up that we've got to give shout-outs to? Arabella, Nadine, Richard Cranium, Bartram13. Yeah, our small group of loyal followers. Yep. It's fantastic. There's, all, there's also um, Carsten Brummer. Yes. Over there, is, I think he's in Switzerland. He's a Swiss cowboy. Um, he's been helping me with a bit of information from England because no one in England has it. But yeah. uh, thankfully he does. Why would England <laughs> keep records? Yeah, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's uh, hilarious. Thanks to that. Thanks to Carsten from Carsten Brummerland. Keep that going. Um, yeah. Anything else? We're going to do a live show this week. We've, we've got a uh, big interview coming up. Is it this week? Yep, Thursday. We've got a big interview, so that episode will probably go up Thursday evening. So keep a keep an eye out for that one. That's going to be. I'm so looking forward to that. That's going to be awesome. You're, you're, um, you're, you're fangirling already. I really am. I'm just like like. I'm going, oh, my God, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be fantastic. And, yeah, just we'll probably put out 15 podcasts by then, between then and now. So just keep an eye out for them. And we love it. Every time you retweet and share and all that, our podcasts, we love it. And we retweet you and, and thank you and stuff like that. So thanks very much. And um, thanks for all the continued support because it's fantastic. Yes, and uh, we now do live shows on uh, on YouTube. Mm. Um, there's no real schedule on there. We just decide that we're going to do a live game, and we'll just do commentary on it. It's a live show. It goes for about two hours. Um, so, yeah, get in there and check those out. You can get involved in the chat on there. We always ask people to do that. No one really does, but, you know, get over there and like, ask them some questions. Even if it's stats-based questions, ask one, answer one the other day after it had finished. So, you know. Yeah. Get in there and get in there and ask some questions. I can I can do stats and stuff during the show. And tell I tell you what, tell us if you want us to add a musical intro to the show, or should we just keep it as is? Yeah, if we could change the show in any way, other than getting rid of Freaky and myself, because obviously <laughs> we're the reason for it. Um, how could we improve it? Yeah. Do you want us to talk more about eating animals or less? Nah, say more. Say more. Well, that's right. We want to try. We want to steer you towards more, but you know, we want to give you. The, we want to make it feel like you've got an option here as well. Exactly. So uh, yeah, get involved. Get in touch. Um, drop us an email: podcast at leaguefreak dot com, and mm. send us any questions you got on there, or any ideas you've got that you'd like us to talk about for an actual episode. Um, We've got one lined up, which we we might probably even attack that one today. The one that, uh, sorry, not today, this week from uh, Bartram Thirteen that he sent through a, a while ago. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a good one to do. I can't wait to do that one. Actually, we should turn that one out. I, I reckon we should do that this week. Yeah, for sure. Because he's probably waiting for it. 
Well, it's been waiting for a month and a half at this point. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to make him wait too much longer. Yeah, that's true. So we'll get on to that. Uh, yeah, so get in touch. Uh, like and subscribe to the YouTube feed. Like and subscribe to us on um, your podcasting network there and share us around on the on your socials. Um, yeah. You can do it by mail if you like. It doesn't really work as well, but, you know, well, we won't stop you. Yeah, there's nothing we can do to stop them, really. No, nah, that's right, unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you later on in the week.